You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. All right. Here we go. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 17, page 799 in those Bibles in the seats there if you'd like to follow along today. Um, it'll be on the screen as well as, as we as we get started here. But uh, Nikki mentioned that she opened the service, but I'm going to say it again just in case because, you know, when we open the service, about um, a good 30% of you are here. Um, so just, just I, we, we know that that's a reality, so I want to make sure we don't miss anybody. Um, in a month of thankfulness, I want to begin by just, uh, again, honoring and thanking our veterans. Um, and so, uh, again, I want to thank veterans, one, for their service. Um, if you're a veteran here today, thank you. Um, Genuinely appreciate your willingness to serve, your sacrifice of time, family, um, for defending our freedoms. Uh, and I don't want to just thank those who serve. I want to thank their families. I want to thank moms and dads and spouses and brothers and sisters and, you know, uh, children, and, you know, that give up and that you serve too. You sacrifice too. I don't know if you guys watch those videos of like military people coming home. You know, I'm not crying. You're crying, right? I'm, I can't, I can't, it's, it's ESPN just put one out. It's like six minutes long. Like, I dare you to watch that and not get emotional. It's very, very hard for me to see, you know, those kind of things. You just begin to understand the sacrifice. Something about a little kid, you know, in a classroom whose parent walks in. Um, most kids, when their parents walk in, they're like, oh, mom's here. You know, when they come in, you know, they lose their mind and they just start you know, they're overcome with emotion, and it just lets you know the sacrifice that those who serve, you know, make uh, week in and week out. Um, so I want to recognize not just our service men and women, but also the families as well. So if you are here and you have, and we want to pray for you. So if you're here today and you've served, would you stand? Would you please stand? If you have served yourself, personally, personally served, stand. Okay, now if you're a family member, if you're a brother or son, daughter, Mother, father, everybody stand. Come on, if anybody is in here that has a family member that has served, would you stand as well? Come on. Yeah, don't be shy about it. Stay standing. Come on, let's give it to them. We're going to pray for you. Stay standing. We're going to pray for you. Would you stay standing? Would you just join me in a prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for people willing to sacrifice to serve, Lord, to, to fight for freedom for those, Lord, who, who might not be able to do so. Lord, the freedoms that we enjoy here and now today, Lord, we stand on a lot of shoulders of people through the generations who have been willing to lay down their lives for something they believe in. Lord, may we not take such sacrifice lightly. I thank you for everybody who has made that sacrifice. I pray, Lord, for families. Lord, I pray that you would Lord, make up for, for the absences. Lord, for the loss, for the sacrifice, Lord, would you add and return, Lord, blessings in abundance for what they have given up? Lord, as there have been moves and, and time spent apart and holidays spent alone, Lord, as there has just been distance and, Lord, there's sacrifice, Lord, missed opportunities with children and family, Lord, other dreams and pursuits that can't be followed because they've made a choice to serve and to sacrifice. God, would we just not take anything for granted? Lord, help us to appreciate our brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers, Lord, our sons and daughters who have made this sacrifice. May we appreciate it. Lord, would they know, Lord, that it has not been in vain. 
Lord, that every sacrifice counts. We thank you. We honor them today. In your great name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you. One more time. Let's give it up for him. And uh, continuing the theme of Thanksgiving, um, we're starting a new series today called uh, Thank God. Um, and it's a period at the end of it. You know, it's a statement we often say, you know, oh, thank God. You know, oh, thank God. If something becomes very flippantly, you know, oh, thank God. You know, you, you're TGIF, right? Thank God it's Friday. Thank God, you know, this happened, that happened, you know, whatever. We, we just kind of throw it around. Um, and so I want to kind of redeem that phrase a little bit through this series and just say, you know, Challenge us to maybe make sure that we're thanking God, you know, as much as maybe we we use that phrase. So we're going to start by exploring just a small story from Luke chapter 17 um, about uh, a group of men um, and an interaction they had with Jesus. All right. So a simple story. You probably heard it before. And then uh, we're going to break it down a little bit. So verse uh, chapter 17, we're going to pick it up in verse 11 so you can read along. It'll be on the screen as well. It says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And for most of us, that means absolutely nothing because you don't understand the geography of that place. Um, we'll get there. I'll, I'll explain it later. But at the moment, you just need to know it's between Galilee and Samaria. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Thank you for that. Okay, here we go. Verse 12. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance. Keep going. Crying out, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Separate this sentence out. This man was a Samaritan. That's just an interesting distinction to make. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, help us understand the story that took place a long, long time ago and give us some understanding of what difference it makes today. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So some context for you. The Jews did not like the people of Samaria. All right, so you've got the Jewish people. That's kind of the context of, of, the, of the New Testament there, you know, the story of the Jewish people. And they don't like people from Samaria. They don't like them at all. Um, those people were actually half Jewish, half Gentile. Gentile means not Jewish. <laughs> so they were really not, they were kind of related, but not. They were like your, your, your cousins from Connecticut, right? They're like, they're kind of my cousins, but I've never seen them, and they're Mets fans, so like I don't even claim them as family. You know, they're they're out there somewhere else. They're lesser people. You know, um, the Jews felt that the, the the Samaritans had actually corrupted the faith. Right? They had their own temple, they had their own traditions, they had their own religious writings, their own Torah. Um, they and they felt towards the Jews the way the Jews felt towards them. They didn't like each other very much. All right, just just think of like natural, just sort of. You know, uh, enemies here. They, did, they didn't go along. And they, the Samaritans didn't even accept Jesus. There's a passage in, in Luke chapter 9. It says, uh, as Jesus was getting ready to, uh, to head back to heaven, um, he, he sent out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village. They'll know, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming here. And it said the people of the village did not welcome Jesus. They didn't want him. And so James and John, Jesus' bros, they said to Jesus, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? 
Don't you like friends like that? What they did to you, uh, you know, hey, let me, let me burn them. Let me just call down fire, burn them up right now. And Jesus was like, chill, bro. It's okay. Thank you, boys. I appreciate it. But, but those are the Samaritans. They don't like, they don't like Jews. They don't like Jesus. They don't, they just don't get along. They've kind of got this natural born. We've been oppressed. And so it's kind of their identity that, you know, like, this is who we are. We're rejected people, but we're proud of who we are. And they've got, there's just layers and layers to the cultural difficulty and tension here. So here's Jesus now on the border of Samaria. Okay, so the tension is mounting, right? As my daughter likes to say, dun, 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 right? You get the idea. Okay, we're getting there. Tension mounts. And as Jesus walks into this Samaritan village, men start yelling. Uh-oh, here it comes. They're yelling. It's going to be a fight. Like, you, you, that, you, this is kind of the, that's, that's what people are thinking, right? That's kind of the natural mindset, right? If you walk into... I don't know if I walked into the Eagle Stadium with my Giants jersey on, I would expect to start hearing people yelling, right? And, and as I start to hear people yelling, that's what I'd be thinking. All right, here it comes. Bring on the hecklers, right? Yes, we know we're terrible. All right, that's what's going to happen. Um, but something's different because these aren't just regular folk, right? These are ten men who have some form of skin disease. Isn't this, I, I'm telling you, when you preach this stuff, it's like, oh, I can't wait to preach this. I'm going to talk about ten guys with a skin disease called leprosy. This is awesome. Um, now, culturally, anyone with that kind of disease like that would be ostracized, completely separated from the community, right? They weren't, they weren't allowed to be near their families. They were separated from society. They couldn't touch anybody. They couldn't be near anybody. They had to live invisible, right? So they're basically like, like shunned, right? Like once you, once you get this skin disease, you're impure, no matter if you're a Jew or, or a Samaritan, it doesn't matter. They both have, have religious laws, right? And so if you get this sort of skin disease, it, it makes you impure, and the problem is it's like cooties, it's contagious, and so you can't be near anybody else. Like, if they come near me and I touch them, I have it, even if you don't actually have the disease. I become impure just by touching them or talking to them. I have to stay away. So they're doing you a favor by staying away, right? So it's just sort of they know that that's their place. Once you get that, it's a death sentence. You're separated until... By some chance, maybe it clears up and you're all good again and you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm back in society. And the priest has got to check you out and be like, you know, they give you the once over. It's like at the doctor. They're like, oh, that mole looks kind of funny. Right. It's like that. The priest has got to check you out. Be like, OK, I think you're clear. Um, there's actually all sorts of laws about this in the Old Testament. You can read them. They're disgusting. I hate I just I can't read it. It's really, really terrible. Um, if Yeah, just trust me on that one. Um, so that's what makes this story so shocking is that there's ten guys that shouldn't be talking to anybody, and here comes Jesus, and all of a sudden they start yelling. Like, what's going on? You're not supposed to be talking to anybody. See, but here's the first part of the story, that they thought Jesus was different. They, they knew the laws, but something about Jesus was different, and they weren't afraid to cry out for mercy from this man. Right? They knew there were cultural and religious laws, but they see Jesus and they just go, something's different about that guy. I'm going to yell out to him. Right now, they didn't go so far as to approach him. Right. They're going to they're going to make sure they don't touch him and defile him. But they were confident enough to yell out to him and they yell out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Right. That's what they're saying. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. The text tells us they cried out with a loud voice and everybody in the village heard them. Right. I can't imagine. So imagine the setting. It's not like just 10 guys going, like, Jesus, hey, over here. Right. They're not being quiet. They're like yelling, Jesus. Right. Master, have mercy on us. They're crying out. It's with an impassioned plea. Right. There was desperate enough to take a chance that Jesus might actually be moved by their request. This was a plea 
for compassion. Now, here's the thing. They were not asking just for physical healing alone. Right? That's what the word said. Have mercy on us. But they're not saying, hey, just heal my body. Because the implication of all that goes with it is restore me to my family. Jesus, I want my family again. Grant us our dignity again, Jesus. We're lonely. We're alone. We want to experience life again. This was more than about just like the pain of the disease. This was, this isn't living. I need life again. Right? This was desperation. Change my life. And it was enough for them to cry out regardless of rules and laws. I'm willing to take whatever punishment might come just for the chance of asking Jesus to change my life. But whatever, whatever, whatever may come my way, whatever repercussions, maybe people will be like, you shouldn't be talking. Whatever comes, I'm willing to ask because my pain is so great that I don't care and I see something different in you, Jesus. So you can hear the desperation of ten grown men who are crying out with abandon, Jesus, have mercy on us. You know, you can hear the difference in people's voices, right? You can hear tone, right? You, you know when someone is just saying something. And when they're speaking from a place of conviction, right, the tone changes. It's it's not scientific. Maybe it is. I don't know. But but like there's something in our ears and in our hearts that you can tell when somebody means it. Right. You can tell. Parents can tell the difference between a normal cry and a serious cry. You know, when your kids are crying, you're like, ah, just, just that's just noise. And then you, you hear a different pitch, a different frequency, a different tone. And you go, that one's for real i got to go check on that one, right? You know that as a parent. You know that difference. See, Jesus heard the difference. So that they cried out at all is the first profound part of the story. That they, that, they, that they cried out, right? But the second profound part of the story, what I want to focus on today is this. Jesus heard them, right? Jesus heard them. I'm sure there are a lot of people that yell for Jesus. It happens throughout the scriptures you're reading. A lot of people are yelling out and screaming for Jesus. But Jesus heard them. And turned towards them and gave them his attention. Right? So here's a question for us today. Did these men earn the right to be heard? Was their reckless abandon enough to get the attention of God? Is that why Jesus listened? Because there was such desperation, is that why Jesus listened? Had they gotten to the point that Jesus just said, wow, these guys are serious. Is that what Jesus heard? Is it because of that? Right? Aside from divine religious laws, what made these ten men more worthy than maybe other people there that were yelling out for Jesus? Why did Jesus focus on them? Right? Was it that the squeaky wheel got the grease? You know this, right? Happens often in our world, right? You don't want to answer people, but if they're annoying enough, if they're irritating enough, if they keep asking, if they continue to grate on you over and over and over again, it's just worth it to answer them to make it go away, to make it stop. Is that why? Was their desperation and relentlessness, was that what drove Jesus just to turn his attention to them? Because the reality is, if that's true, it really frustrates me. <laughs> that it's just loud and just annoying because I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the annoying, irritating person. So I was really wrestling with this because it seems that their desperation has a connection here. But I don't think Jesus heard them because they deserved to be heard or had earned his attention. I really don't. Here's what I think. I think Jesus listened to them because he loved them. That was it. 
I don't think they did anything separate or special. I think everywhere Jesus went, his love was on display. And on this day, in this city, on the edge of a place that didn't even want him, once again, Jesus expressed love beyond what was reasonable. And as ten desperate men cried out to him for mercy, he turned toward them. He saw them. He understood their circumstances. He understood the cost. And he spoke words that changed their lives. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. How many of you, that the, that's what you're praying for? You're praying for Jesus to tell you to go show yourself to the priest. Right? That's like, oh man, like if Jesus only spoke those words to me. Go show myself to the priest. All right? You wouldn't go show yourself to the priest unless you'd been totally cured. See, you don't go if like you're partially, like halfway. Right? You wouldn't have gone if you were 99%. Because the priests were thorough. They would find it. They'd be like, ah, you still got a spot. This, this looks a little funky here. Uh, come back in like two weeks. Right? That's what the priests would say. Right? There was no like slipping by. They'd be like, ah, you're good enough. Right? It was complete. So when Jesus said, go show yourself, he was telling them that they were as good as healed. Right? That's what he's saying. It's done. You're 100% done. There's still, it says, just go. It's taken care of. It's a promise. And it would be realized as they were on their way. You hear the story. They go and it happens. See, Jesus released love all over them. So what? Thank you for that nice little story about lepers getting healed from Jesus and we don't really know why. So what? Well, if you're like me, it can be hard to ask God for some things. We are fine and I am fine with asking God for other people. I can ask all day long for God to pour out blessings on other people, no problem, without regard, make you rich, make you wealthy, make you happy, fill your life with goodness, heal you, do everything he can to give you all the blessings. But when it comes to me, I struggle. I struggle to ask. I think there's a few reasons, perhaps, that we struggle to ask. The first is this. Maybe we feel like we haven't earned the right to be heard. I think there's some of us that feel like we haven't earned the right to be heard. And I want to encourage you this morning. Please, please hear this. You haven't. <laughs> you haven't earned the right to be heard. Right? Um, and uh, actually, you're not even close. Uh, actually, you're so far from hearing, from earning God's ear that it's tragic. It's actually genuinely tragic, genuinely tragic, how far we are from earning the ear of God. But God loves us so much that he chooses to turn his ear toward us always. He doesn't listen because you deserve to be heard. Right? Your pain doesn't have to hit. We need, we, I know this is, sounds simple, but we're complicated people. And as much as we say we know this on the outside, still inside this is real. If we can be real. Right? Your pain doesn't have to hit a certain threshold in order for God to listen to you. But we think that. Right. Your volume doesn't have to reach a certain limit before God gets moved. It's not if I pray louder or if I yell more, if I rant and rave and if I'm right, you don't have to get to a certain volume. Your faith doesn't have to reach some mysterious level of maturity in order for God to perk up and go, oh, did you say something? I'm sorry, I missed it. You were so quiet. I couldn't hear that tone. It was just so lacking in faith. Right. Jesus ears hear everything we say to him because he loves us. His ear is always inclined to you. These men did nothing to earn it. We don't. It says nothing about their faith. 
It says nothing about what they had done. Right. It wasn't that they were so holy in their leprosy. Right. It wasn't anything about that. They made noise and Jesus listened, not because they deserved it, but because he loved them. They didn't earn it. They didn't earn it. But perhaps that's not you. Maybe maybe you just feel bad about asking God for anything. You just feel like, you know, I'm just wearing out God with my constant requests. And I just feel bad asking again. Like, I don't want to be annoying, right, like me. And you, you think maybe I'm asking for too much or maybe I'm asking for selfish things. And so you're just afraid to ask for things. You're like, I don't know. You know, I just feel bad. I just I feel like I, I shouldn't be. Like, I should be grateful for what I have. I feel guilty asking. And so I just... I don't want to ask because I'll just be, I'll just deal and suffer in silence because it'd be better to do this than to ask because I, I feel guilt all over my life about who I am. Maybe you're just afraid to ask. You're worried that God will give you exactly what you ask for and it might not be what you need. And all the type A's and first child, right, all first children said amen, right? Like, you know, you know this. Come on, there are people in here, you go, you know, I want to ask for that, but what if it's not good? So I'm afraid to ask because if I ask, God might give me what I asked for and it's not good for me. We're complicated people. That's what goes on in my head. Maybe all of you are judging me. I don't know. It's possible. Perhaps you think that all the things you're asking for are things you shouldn't be asking for. And God, listen, just so we know, clear, God doesn't answer prayers like this. Okay? God doesn't say, well, you asked for it. That'll teach you to ask me again. I'd really rather not, but if that's what you want, I guess I have to. My hands are tied. I had something better for you, but you asked. You asked. Right? That's what we think about God, right? That I have something better and we're afraid to ask because maybe we're asking for the wrong thing. Jesus actually says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a rock or a stone instead? My dad did. He gave us rocks in Christmas stockings. He thought it was funny. He gave me potatoes in my lunch sack because he thought that was funny too. Raw potato. Like, thanks, Dad. Appreciate that. Um, he says, but you parents, if, if, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. He said, so, I love this. Jesus is very, he's very, like, affirming to us. He said, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, isn't that, listen, just like, man, I'm a sinful person. Jesus, oh, Jesus said you sinful people. That's us. He says, if you know how to give good gifts... How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? And just so you know, that's, a, that's not a question. He's not asking how much more. He says a statement. It's a period. How much more? How much more does your heavenly father know how to good give, give good gifts? So let me just tell you, you can trust God to wade through the layers of your stuff as you cry out to him. You don't have to worry about saying, I don't know if I want to ask this because God can sort that all out. You just say, I'm going to ask and I trust that God's not going to give me a rock and he's not going to give me a snake and he's not going to give me anything bad. I can ask. But here's the truth. He can't answer what we don't ask. You know what I think God says as you're asking? Like every time you go to God and ask something, you know what I think God is? I think three words, ready? I think he goes like this. Tell me more. I say, oh, that's a, that's a good start. What else? Okay, that's good. What else? Okay, what else? What else? Okay, good. What else? What else? What else? See, no, we go, we, we're sitting there going, no, don't, isn't there a limit to what we can ask God for? And he's sitting there going, what else? You got anything else? Is that it? You're asking way too small. Come on, keep going. You got anything else? What else? So let's bring this home. If the God of the universe is actually listening, Listening to us, 
What are we missing out on because we have not cried out to him? What pain are you living with because you have not asked God? There are so many things in my life I have simply accepted as pain points. So many struggles I have written off as my cross to bear. I'm so noble. It's just part of my life and I have failed to cry out for them. Now, to be honest, right, there are plenty of times I have cried out to God for things. But the uncomfortable truth is that I have failed to cry out far more than I have. A question that hit me as I was preparing for this is, what if there were 11 lepers there? The story is 10. That's a nice round number. But what if there were 11 or 12? Right? Like, it's hard to believe that there were only 10 lepers here. You know, big city. What if there's one guy who dismissed the idea of asking Jesus for help? Mr. Tough Guy. Right? Someone too proud or maybe too afraid to ask for help. Was there somebody who missed their chance to cry out to God? Was there somebody who stood on that corner watching ten other guys who had suffered just like he had be given a new lease on life? And now here he is, still stuck in his loneliness, but lonelier because their community just shrunk a little more. James tells us very clearly, you don't have because you don't ask. This past week, I was... Uh, Driving out to Valley Forge for a class that I teach. Two of our stu- two of my students are here. Thanks for coming, Mojo and Ryan. Great to have you guys here. And uh, honored to have you guys with us. And uh, I had plenty of time. I'd given myself two hours for a drive that I should have taken me only about an hour and 15. I was like, man, look at me living with margin, feeling good about myself. You know, I was very proud. And uh, I was hoping to grab some dinner before class because I had to leave early. So I'm like, you know. There's a Mission Barbecue, again, great place. I'm like, oh, be great if I could stop there, you know, grab myself something to go real quick. It'd be, it's going to be a good night. And then on the PA Turnpike, there was an accident. I hate that road. <laughs> Genuinely hate that road. Oh, gosh. So I'm watching his ways. My GPS app on my phone is recalculating and I'm like, all of a sudden, you know, instead of being 30 minutes early, I'm now like at 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh. I'm inching along, and it goes to 10 minutes. Five minutes. Now I'm going to be about 10 or 12 minutes late. So, being the calm and peaceful person that I am, I mean, I was just singing worship to God and enjoying the traffic. Trying to think of who to call in my mind to make sure that they know, and I'm thinking, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professor at this level, so I've got this much time to be late. You know, doctors get more time. If you've only got a master's degree, you got this time. You know, I'm like, oh man, if, am I going to make my time limit? Am I going to count for the class? I don't know. I got to make sure I get there. And I'm, back of my mind as I'm driving is this message. I know what I'm preaching today, and it's almost I'm just sitting there going, I can't ask God to change traffic. Like, I felt so stupid. I'm like, I can't ask God to change traffic. And it's almost as if I heard God ask, is it because you think I don't care? Because you don't deserve it? Or because you don't think I can? That was not a question I wanted to answer. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> at all. 
Instead, I decided to put into practice what I preached. And so I asked God, I genuinely, as I was staring at traffic, I said, God, can you free up traffic? And God said, what else? I was like, it would be great if I could have dinner. (laughs) And God said, what else? So I began to pray for the students. They would have learned something meaningful in the class. And God said, what else? So I spent the remainder of my drive asking for things that I never would have thought to ask for. And somehow, I arrived early for class. And I got barbecue. That's even funnier because I got the barbecue and then I'm driving and then I got stuck in traffic again, like two miles from the school. I'm like, oh. But then I realized, as I'm sitting in traffic, I actually have time to eat the food that I just got. So I'm sitting in traffic, and I was like, this is a blessing. This traffic is giving me an opportunity to eat this pulled pork sandwich. It was great. The class went great. And I can tell you that, honestly, this message is really not for you. It's just for me, because I'm learning to cry out to God, regardless of how comfortable I am with it. Because God listens to me, not because I deserve it, just because he loves me. So I'm going to invite Nikki. We're going to close. And the question I have for you today is this. Will you cry out to God or will you stay silent? We genuinely have a choice. You get to choose. Those men had a choice. And what we know is that at least 10 of them spoke up. That's all we know. We don't know if there were more. Maybe that didn't. But at least 10 of them went for it. And every one of them was heard. was healed. Can I tell you, something is different about Jesus. And when we cry out, when we cry out to God, you know what we're saying? We're just saying, God, I believe in you. I believe that there's something different about you. And we tell God that even if I don't know if this is best for me, even if I don't know if I should even be asking for this, I trust your goodness enough to let you figure it out. I'm just going to ask. Go big or go home. And I know it's all going to be good. Because you love me. So, wherever you are today, I want you to know that God loves you. And he listens to you. And you don't deserve it. (laughs) None of us do. He loves you. And that's why he listens. So, I'm going to give you like three minutes. Nikki's just going to play. I want you to practice this. What might you be asking for? What might you need to ask to cry out to God? Might be something really, really big. Something that if it changed would change everything and you've been afraid to ask. Ask. It might be something so small you feel dumb asking. Let me tell you, ask. And maybe after you ask, just hear God saying, okay, what else? Tell me more. You can put a prayer request down, do whatever you need to do, but would you just take a few minutes and put this in practice? Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com. 
or on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Life Tree.